Hello, nerds, and welcome back to Forward Unto Quan, the podcast all about Halo, the series, now streaming on Paramount Plus or wherever you pirate your downloaded videos. I am Tyler Monaghan, and as always, I am joined by Cicero Holmes and Megan Watt. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. All right. Let's, uh, as always, start off our episodes, uh, our episode with a little reminiscence about the Halo world. We don't have a great episode tie-in with the series this time, um, but we we did just uh, start a great conversation before recording that will continue here, and uh, it is about proximity chat, which was a wonderful feature of Halo Two, uh, which was you know we played a lot and we've talked a lot about LAN parties with Halo One. I think that was like an iconic experience for a lot of us. But Halo 2, uh, despite me wanting to crumble my controller into dust in my hands when the campaign finished, uh, I logged a ton of hours in that game because it was really like the flagship game for Xbox Live. And really for a lot of us, the first time, uh, you know, logging hours on Xbox Live and playing a competitive or sometimes not so competitive shooter on Xbox Live. So I think a lot of us have a lot of uh, really great memories that are really going to stick with us wrapped up in that experience. Uh, and Megan's going to introduce us into a, a wonderful feature that existed. It's, it wouldn't be wonderful if it existed anymore. It wasn't always wonderful then, but uh, sometimes it was incredible uh, in Halo 2, and that was uh, Proximity Chat. So Megan, tell us a little bit about some some great proximity chat experiences. Yeah, it's weird to say that I I do miss that feature, um, but I, I feel it's a lot like you know Daisy or something, where it's in the beginning it was really cool that how realistic it was and how like you didn't know enemy from you know from friend or whatever, and then as soon as it became mainstream, then it was just a, a giant you know cluster. Uh, and I think the same thing goes for this proximity chat where, like you said, it just would not work now um, the way that it works. Um, you know, it worked then. Uh, so, yeah, proximity chat was that you could hear the enemy um, and you could talk so that the enemy could hear you so long as you were in close proximity. Uh, and it handled the audio differently from the people. So on your team, I think people would come through. Like, like you could even, I think the default setting was people on your team would come through your headset, but then the, the people who were on proximity chat would just come through like your TV's speakers. So it was a cool, like they were part of the environment almost. And, and you know, you could probably yeah, no, I don't remember so that, that wasn't but, the case, but yeah. But the cool thing was that, you know, generally how it ended up working is that you could just simply hear their chatter. You didn't usually, I mean, some people would use it that after you killed an enemy, you would then like you know, do the classic teabag and say like, ha I killed you, you know, and that was about like the only time it was really yeah. used. But yeah, but you could also use it to pretend you were talking to your friends and actually be giving misdirection to yes. the enemy. And I, I remember particularly in the, the game map Battle Creek, because that was a very small map. It was difficult to get around without just immediately being under attack. So if you were playing CTF, um, if you were playing Capture the Flag, it was really difficult to get the flag without being seen because it was just such a small map. So if you, yeah, could, and if you could, and if you could get the opponents to think you were going front door, but really yeah, you were going like exactly. the back teleport, like that was a big, that was like where yeah, the whole strategy of playing that map was. Since we were playing LAN, I could whisper to Ty like, hey, we're going to go up in front. <laughs> right. And then I would be like, okay, everyone, I'm dropping through the ceiling. I'm going to grab the flag and then throw it onto the top. And so everybody would go on top and then we would cut around the other way. And oh, it just worked so beautifully. And I, 
you know, the funny thing is I can only remember like two times where it ever actually worked, but those two times were glorious. Yeah, we had, I remember one time our group was playing on a map called Headlong and Halo 2, which is a bigger outdoor map set in like the new Mombasa city setting. So it's all like very dusty. And uh, it was the assault game type. So it's like reverse capture the flag where you're bringing a bomb in. And the place where you're setting the bomb is a vertical structure. So it's that thing where you can see a lot of people on your motion tracker, but you don't know whether they're on your level or they're like four floors below you kind of thing. Um, And we were able to successfully uh, lie about which direction we were taking the bomb in. Uh, So I was able to sneak into their base and just hide in a corner. And my only, I did not fire a gun. I was just like the intelligence officer on our little squad. I just sat there and I was like, okay, we're coming in the top. We're coming in the top. And like, meanwhile, like we were sitting there looking at, you know, knowing that we're just walking it up the bottom. Uh, and it just like, you know, like you said, it's, it, it only worked a couple of times, but when it did, I mean, it was just like yeah. the most, you know, amazing, like kind of semi-emergent gameplay experience ever. And just like a thing that I'll, I'll always remember. And like, again, yeah, I don't want that feature back, but man, when it was there, uh, some pretty cool stuff you could do with it. Um, and then, uh, Megan, we had one other group of folks on the map midship that we encountered do you want to talk about them (laughs) okay so yeah midship is that's the the covenant ship um do you remember what was their clan name did they have a particular clan name or anything or or, i think they yeah it was the they did have a climatic uh thematic clan name but i don't i don't remember what it was the the whole thing is that they were role-playing they weren't and it took a while to figure out but because you in the middle of like this like kind of open area they they were pretending to be engineers on the ship they weren't turning around and shooting us at all they were just like i can't remember what they're saying they're like we need to fix the pylons and like the turbulators turbulators. like like, the equilibrium is off on the turbulators (laughs) and like so at first we're like shooting them but then after a minute it's sort of like wait let's see what these what's going on here you know like let's see what these guys are up to i was highly competitive because they had ranked matches and (laughs) i i remember i was like at level 30 or something if i ever dipped down i would get extremely mad so to be in a very high ranked match and with these very high ranked people who are just talking about turbulators and my competitive spirit just suddenly dies i'm like what what is happening here? And it was, oh, that was a beautiful match. I, I don't even know what we did except for just sit there and just listen to them talk about Turbulators. If you're out there listening, Turbulator fixing people, um, please uh, like and subscribe. Uh, um, <laughs> Cicero, are you, uh, do you remember that feature? Are you, uh, are you a trash talker? Are you a uh, chat misdirector or anything? Um, you know, only at times, right? So there, there were a bunch of games that, that I could use that feature in, but I didn't use it in Halo that much. I use it in feature in, in games like, uh, Splinter Cell, uh, Splinter Cell was, was awesome to, to use that. And then there's a, there's a game that I'm using, uh, that I'm playing right now where, where there's uh proximity chat and the, and the chat's sound almost identical but there is a little bit of static in the enemy chat versus your own chat and uh you can wind up having like full-on conversations with them before you before you murder them 
and they're they're trying to find you, which is which is amazing. Uh, there are no turbulators though. Um, yeah, which, but that's which good. I, that you yeah, get a nice a, philosophy discussion in before you. Yeah, yeah. Go mano a mano. Right. <laughs> One must live. One will stand. One will fall. Yeah, I'm surprised. Like. I, I'm sort of surprised to hear that's still a feature that anybody's doing. Uh, I imagine it's all very positive and that people are really cool to each other. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Good. Um, well, awesome. Let's uh, let's move on to, uh, you know, from Halo the Universe to specifically Halo the series uh, and uh, specifically onto this week's episode, episode six out of nine, I believe, in the season. And this episode was called Solace. Uh, so, listeners, this is your spoiler warning. If you have not yet seen this week's episode of Halo the series, uh, you you should go watch it before you listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to spoil a lot of things. Uh, so Megan and Cicero, holy cow, this was a crazy episode. Uh, John tried to kill Hall. Well, again, John tried to kill Halsey for the second time, but it was uh, more dramatic this time. Um, he, uh, Halsey lost her job, basically got fired and Miranda took over the Spartan program. Uh, and McKee, uh, once again, continues her trend of, uh, executing what I think is going to be one plan and then going in a completely different direction, dropping some major truth bombs on John. And, and we got our first look in this episode, finally, of the Halo ring itself. Um, so let's dig into a couple of those things. Um, and let's actually start with Dr. Halsey. Uh, we talked a lot in the last episode about how she'd gone really just full, pure evil villain. Um really like up in the pantheon of, of super villains now. Um, and, and she had a lot going on this episode. Um, like I mentioned, John locked her in her lab and turned on the UV sterilization system, almost killing her um, basically in, in what was a bluff to learn the limits of Cortana's control over his body. And then they had this great scene where they basically get to sit across the table from one another. And Halsey just says, ask. Um, and John basically gets to, ask his questions about what she's been up to and she gets to have her full bond villain explanation moment um what did you guys think of that i thought the scene where she tries to justify herself to john and just says right off you're never gonna understand what i'm saying and i just have to accept that you'll hate me was such an interesting added texture on that character we've talked a lot about how she feels about john and that was that was like a poignant one for me megan uh, yeah, first, I'm confused. I thought Cortana could take him over. Could she not without, like, Halsey's very explicit say-so? Because I, I, that entire... Or is she, is she reverse bluffing by not doing it? Because that entire time I was like, but can't Cortana do... <laughs> Yeah. And it would be a weird uh, oversight on John's part to not realize that Halsey is the kind... Like, it does seem like she is the kind of person who would you know, call that bluff and say, yeah, Cortana, don't take him over, even if you physically can. But yeah, to me, it is a little bit unclear. It's like, are we supposed to be wondering that as the viewers or yeah, are we yeah. supposed to have that established? Because when she was explaining the system a couple episodes ago, the Cortana system in episode three, I think it was, yeah. she pretty explicitly says like Cortana can wipe his consciousness and t like we talked about right. it as, as controlling right. him as, as right. though he were a video game. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, so I, I think. I th yeah, I think the uh, the writers don't even know 
right? Like it just changes for whatever is convenient at the particular time. Oh, you're finally on board with questioning yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the execution yeah. as well. Yes. Um, yeah, and then I really like what you just said about um, Halsey saying, I, I just have to uh, accept that you're going to hate me. It sounded like and a, a very motherly thing to say, if that makes sense. Because like parents have their own motivations and to have yeah. to say, look, I'm sorry, I did this for what is what is best for you and for humanity and i just simply have to accept that as my child you're not going to understand like it it really felt like a um a mother-son thing going down there well and it ties into something like later even that she says to miranda where she just says family it's just not a concept i believe in and i think you're right that it's like she's like a mother-son kind of thing but i i think in this situation she's almost treating him as a son not because he's john and he's a spartan but because he's a human being. And I was struck by how many parallels there were between the rationale that Halsey gives for what she's doing and some of the rhetoric that we've heard in the show and in the games from the prophets on the covenant side um, and their kind of rhetoric around the great journey and things like that. And Halsey kind of positions herself as this person who is almost outside of humanity and has this perspective that everyone else lacks. And she kind of sees us in this universal perspective and she We're all children when it yeah, comes to like, yeah. and she. She understands that she needs to like, yeah, yeah, take the reins of our genetic evolution in a way that like, yeah, yeah, of course you don't get it, John. You know, I loved it when she, when he's like, whose future? Not mine. And she's just like, nor mine, but like, let me explain, right? Like I'm thinking generations ahead and it's (laughs) like just like this incredible hubris, right? Yeah. I do want to know what she's preparing for though, because when the Spartan program started, were the covenant actually a big Red at the time wasn't it more just like the unsc against people she, like Quan? yeah right or did she like a, foresee yeah. that there would one day be an alien threat I, mm-hmm. that's a really interesting question because she does say she wanted to develop a force that could i think she says save humanity from itself and she says stop conflict before it happens so yeah that's a really interesting question megan is like what did she mean by that goal like did she have this universal like seeing humanity as a species in compared to these other species in the universe perspective before the covenant war that would be pretty that's <laughs> an interesting yeah. place yeah, yeah right well, and, and what's interesting and what i love about these kind of moral dilemmas is yeah obviously she's morally wrong but is she wrong at right. the same time to, right. to be doing what she's doing because everyone is willing to take uh, advantage of the program and, and the technology that she's created while being able to dismiss uh, while being able to keep maintain the moral high ground for not having been her and that and that's completely what plays out in this episode mm-hmm. right? yeah we as even see the as, right as she gets scapegoated and and they literally have that conversation right like the the admiral is having that conversation that you just had which is we, you know, we've got to find somebody like, yeah, all, all the shit you made was cool um, and we and we like it, but, you know, somebody's got to pay for making all that cool shit. Well, we and see the, <laughs> the UNSC, like, you know, high council of, of people standing around right. holograms of, of evil or whatever. And, and you know, I liked the one woman on it, like just her, her only explanation to Parangoski is just like, 
you know how these things work. And I felt, I felt like that was a really telling line, right? Like you can see the pressure that these people are under and it does raise the question. It's funny. My wife, Julia is playing Mass Effect 2 right now and she just happened to be doing a, a mission or a side quest or, or something where uh, a, a character has committed some atrocity to his brother and he says, people hope for a miracle. But when they say that, what they really mean is that they're hoping for people like me to make the hard choices as he's standing right. next to like his mutilated brother body and he's done this horrible thing and in this episode of halo we saw what i i guess i hoped we would see it but oh my gosh it was disturbing the mutilated bodies of the spartans i don't know if those were the survivors or not the survivors but from we've seen the scars but we saw like the open wounds and i mean it was incredibly horrifying the other thing we learned is that halsey didn't just kidnap john she replaced all these kids with right. flash clones who yeah. then died and their families never knew why. And she gives this calm, cool rationale for it. Um, yeah, isn't it and- nice for the parents to have this horrible, horrible closure rather than having hope that their child is still out there? And John and John, you know, takes that exact line of questioning. But like, I think, you, you know, the show is doing a good job of sort of, for me, presenting this thing of like, like Halo has explicitly positioned John as a miracle in the past. Right. Like mm-hmm. he especially in the marketing for Halo, I think it was two. Um, but, you know, the show is really digging into this question of like. Can you, you can't just get a miracle for free, right? Like right. S- somebody has to make these sacrifices and are they worth it, right? It's it's a pretty, um, they are really not holding back showing like kind of the horrors, right? You know, in Star Wars, it's always kind of like, oh, we take these kids and then their families are sad and like, you know, but then they go on and they, they you know, they do this cool space I mean, stuff cool. and like, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of parents, you know, maybe, maybe they would like their kids to stick around a little longer but you know it's a great future for your kid cool you know um but in this case oh my gosh right like they just don't hold like there is no silver lining for the individuals who are being sacrificed in the name of this program um and it's pretty disturbing um yeah it does uh, make me wonder who is more wrong the person who did all of it or the person who's willing to take all of it and pretend that they're better for having not done it well well but do does does halsey pretend that she's not better right like um she she fully owns everything that she's doing right but but i think that the 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 thing that we or or at least what the writers are presenting to us is that there is enough gray, there's enough nuance in that, that you can make an argument that Halsey's making the correct hard choices. For yeah, humanity. exactly. I, and, and yeah, so yeah. from a perspective, she's the hero. Yeah. I, it's very, it's not something I want to admit. It's not something yeah. I want to say, you know, good job right. for kidnapping those children. Right. I, obviously, obviously, no, bad bad holes well, but then <laughs> who's gonna fight the covenant I'll go even further down the politically incorrect right <laughs> like like things that make you uncomfortable to say and even think and, and to say i think it really comes down to who's ultimately correct and who ends up winning right i mean if you look at the history of medical experimentation in the, the real reality that we live in if you did it during a war that you lost 
it's the worst thing ever. It's an atrocity that we should all remember because as a beacon of something we should never do again. If you did it because you did it on the side of a country that wins most of the wars it participates in and continues to be probably the world's biggest superpower today, then people are much more willing to write off those types of medical experiments and, and yes. see them as being necessary sacrifices in the name of that progress, right? So I think a lot of it oh, hinges on... Victor go the moral spoil, spoils. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. like I think a ton of it hinges on like, is Halsey right? You know what I mean? And if she's right yeah, and humanity is going to be yeah. decimated and all our planets are going to get glassed without, without these sacrifices, then yeah, but if there's some other way out, then uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty messed up. His, history yeah. is written by the victors, so um, that yeah. is that's definitely uh, something that happens. One thing I w- I do want to talk about with with respect to Halsey and the conversation she had with John was how similar it was, kind of what you were saying, Todd, to the conversation that you wound up having with Miranda Keys, um, and and that uh, she definitely does look at John as being her child. And I, I, you know, like, I think, uh, she, you know, she looks at all the Spartans as being her child because she did kind of assume the role of their caregiver, right? Like she is the one that is, that is shaping their minds and, 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 uh, shaping their maturation, um, in, in the, in the way that a, a patron would, um, but uh, a parental figure would, but yeah, she's. Yeah, I mean, as soon as my daughter turns into a teen, I'm putting a hormonal pellet in her just to make sure I don't have to deal with that crap. Oh man, uh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen. Let me tell you something. If if they could have done that, uh, <laughs> morals be damned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's that is that's a thing that uh, you know we all have to sit back and and think about with with how we classified Halsey during these first five episodes versus the way, like her losing her job was something that I kind of was sad about during the course of this episode, which I think is brilliant um, because yeah, yeah, I would not have the wrong time to start doing this. This this is right in the heat of this war. Are you really willing to, put that on the line for your own political gain. Well, obviously every politician is, aren't they? But I I love that this is the kind of stuff that we get to talk about when we talk about Halo. I've I've always gotten so upset. I mean, even with the games, like before I even read the books where people would say, oh, just Halo, it's just a video game or whatever. It's like, it, it is so much deeper than that. It's not just about a dude in a helmet kicking butt. It's there, it, it is, it's got such a rich lore and it is beautifully gray. Uh, I just, I, I love that we can talk about this. And I, and I love that the show, like you said, I, it is just, it's going deeper and it's not pulling its punches. Yeah. Instead of sitting here being like, wait, was he firing that battle rifle on fully automatic? <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works. Um, let's change gears over. We've talked uh, quite a bit about Halsey and we could keep talking about Halsey, but let's move on and talk about McKee. Um, this was a, I, I thought this was a wonderful McKee episode. Uh, once again, she, uh, she has this plan and I think it's going to go one way and then she completely deviates from the path that I think 
that she has laid out. Um, so like I mentioned in the last episode, they did they did a good job with me here. Uh, they showed a, a preview clip of this episode where John, at the beginning of the interrogation, is very skeptical, right? He's like, why should we believe you? He's asking her about the artifact. She seems to know like a weird amount of information for a prisoner, right? Um, and yes, indeed, he was skeptical and rightly so. Like, I think he came off as very reasonable, right? Like, not a dummy yeah. here at all. But what I didn't expect and what John obviously didn't expect is McKee to just like look into his eyes and just like completely seem to tell the truth in a way that left me wondering, like, what does she even at this point in the story want out of this, right? Like, where do her loyalties lie? Because she's just like, you know, you and me, we're blessed ones. Like we touch these artifacts and stuff happens. And like, you know what I mean? And he's like, Oh my God, I do know what you mean. Um, <laughs> at the same time, there's this other weird story where she's giving humanity information about the covenant that, like I said, to me, even her having that information is like a little bit suspect, like as a prisoner, why does she know what's a holy planet for them? But it also seems to be obviously false. They go to the system she tells them about and they say there's absolutely nothing there. So is McKee's plan here just completely based on getting the trust of John? Like, is she hoping that John absconds with her in a, in a pelican here? Uh, Megan, I see you ready to answer that. <laughs> No, my answer is I have no friggin' idea the entire time. <laughs> you know, I, there are always shows where you're supposed to think, oh, I don't know, have they switched allegiances? And, and you don't actually think that. You think, wow, they're trying to make me think that, but I don't. This one, I, yeah, I started to question what in the world it does McKee want to deliver the head of the demon or is she going to get romantically involved with him and like what do they want to the... go run away to halo together yeah, yeah right, like right. was that her it is she surprising herself and i don't know if it's um a lack of nuance in the actress's face like because a lot of times you can just tell that the actor is lying because they have to pretend that they're lying and they've got that look on their face so that right. you can you know inform the audience and then you're just like how does nobody else know that they're lying right but, but it, yeah. it's because we're supposed to be able to tell nobody else is and i don't i have no idea i don't know what she's trying to give us and i don't know what her plan is next right what's the next I, step I, I, it's very interesting, I, and I, you know, I, I totally said in the beginning this is a Kylo Ren relationship, and uh -huh. or Kylo Ray relationship, and I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm still on that, but I'm very confused as to how it's going to play out. All right, Cicero. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Count. Count me amongst the confused. Um, <laughs> well, so, like she comes out and she tells the truth, right? She just. She's just telling the truth. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, okay, so she's going to tell the truth and she's going to get everybody to come close and then she's going to plasma. You know, yeah, plasma. Yeah, plasma nail them in the eye, right? Plasma <laughs> nail in the eye. And and she does wind she up. Almost did. Out, yeah, she <laughs> winds up pulling out the plasma nail, but then she has, you know, uh, artifact seizure. And but how does desperation that she pulls out that nail, that didn't seem like part of the plan. It right? didn't seem like, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. But yeah. even then I thought maybe that was part of the plan. Right. Right. right? <laughs> so so was, did you guys, Julia, when we watched it together, she totally interpreted that scene as Maki being totally taken aback by the humans kind of like treating her humanely and like just asking her questions and giving her clothes and giving her food. And that she was like, Maki was just like genuinely 
unprepared for like them to be like, no, we're just giving you food. Like we need you to eat the food. So you stay alive because she was so mistrustful of humans. And that so didn't go along with the narrative. I kind of missed that because I think I was just so suspicious of her and waiting for her real plan to come out the whole time. Right. I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't know. It's awesome that none of us have any right. idea. I think. How, right. Like, Unless it turns out to be dumb, but I, I like, I, it feels <laughs> like it's, it's this, I mean, to me, this episode was awesome. It feels like yes. it's going somewhere that's yes. going to be worth, worth yes. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I want to um, know how much we're not supposed to know. I, I, I am, right, right. Y- you know, like, does it say somewhere in the script, like McKee, obviously lying says, right. you know, or. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very interested to know whether yeah. this is execution that we don't know or right. whether this is, you know, um, yeah. I- and the last thing I want to say about McKee is I found it really interesting the way that, you know, McKee totally opens up to John and he's clearly affected by that. But he still runs back and he he tells Miranda in much the same way that I think he would have done in the past with Halsey. He, I mean, he pretty much is straight up honest with Miranda. There seems to be a trust level there. I love when they bumped into each other in the hallway after the little hologram spying session. And Miranda is just like, I'm so, and he's just like, starts giving her orders and she's like, yeah, right right away, you know? And, and they have this kind of interesting, different, but very like functional working relationship seeming uh, to be going on here. Um, And I thought that was a cool way to, like now we've got Miranda has really opened up, kind of to Kai and to the chief. And we know that the like the chief already went to Kai and was like, you know, be ready. I'm going to need you. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, the stage is being set. I've really started to see like the, we're through first episodes. I feel like we've got three acts of the series here. And like the first act was just like, you know, introducing all the pieces and helping us understand who went where and, and pretty Quan heavy um, getting Cortana onto the stage. And then act two. So episodes four, five and six have really been like figuring out people's allegiances, right? Like moving the pieces where they need to kind of end up for this final culminating. And I still think we're headed for, a big old big team battle uh, yeah. in in probably episode eight or something like that. Uh, but anyway, that's enough uh, predicting from me. Let's move on to one of my favorite parts of the episode, and that is our dumb episode review. We have a bonus episode review for you today. We've actually got two. Um, one thing I did want to note with this episode, uh, I was heartened, like. I, you know, my, my method here for doing the research for the segment is just like scrolling down IMDb episode reviews and they're overwhelmingly positive for this episode, which I thought was cool to see. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it's easy to just be like, yeah, people are hating on this thing. I'm not going to go in there and right. Like absorb their abuse and say that I like this <laughs> thing, right? Like it's not important to me to go express my opinion on IMDb, but it was heartening to see like, yeah, I think people are, uh, I think this show is building its following, right? And is kind of winning, maybe even winning some people over. But anyway. Well, and well, I'm actually, well, I, yeah. sorry, I wanted yeah, to say, go, I was yeah. curious to see, uh, after the big uh, awesome battle of the, the previous mm-hmm. episode, I was thinking it could go either way where people are going to be really upset yeah. that the next episode doesn't have more battle as though right. like that was just the opener of the battles that they've always wanted, which obviously wasn't going to happen. Or if they're willing to excuse use more exposition now that they know that battles are not out of the right. picture they're not out of or scope, did they yeah. actually just like legitimately love this episode because it was very good i 
and the and the, the other question for me is like the audience targeting thing. Like I think a lot of the people who today feel like, oh man, Halo, it's all about shooting, it's all about grenades. I want to see plasma grenades stuck to stuff. Are like younger people who maybe were not even born or were really young when the first games came out. And the first like the first game is really slow compared to a lot of games. Like you can't sprint. You know what I mean? The warthog goes like one mile an hour faster than you can run. Like the, the it it. it it doesn't guide you, you know, you spend a lot of time wandering around and it's just a super different pace of gameplay. And, and I wonder if some of the negativity that we're seeing is from younger people who are just like fans of fast paced, modern shooters, and they want a show about a fast paced, modern shooter, but really maybe who the show is targeting is kind of maybe like, I don't want to make it strictly an age thing. Right. But people like who really have like some of those older memories of halo of this slower game of like of exploring with their friends right and of driving banshees into holes and breaking their xboxes <laughs> and stuff like that right um and who maybe are ready for um, um, a story that maybe has a little more drama than action that's just something i've been thinking about um well, well uh, yeah but i think there also is uh something to be said about the quality of the show right like when when we were in uh, episodes two and three, and we didn't really know what the direction was, and we were questioning what Quan's purpose was, and you know, and and you know that whole side story. One of the reasons that I think that one of the reasons that this episode felt great, right? One of the reasons that the last episode felt great was because the amount of that whole magical story was was very limited, and in this episode. All we got was Quan in in you know a fever dream. Many of the positive and, reviews did mention that. Yes, and, and right. the, the, because not just because it was missing Quan, but that also meant that the pacing could uh, maintain that tension. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, right. before it was uh, hit him wandering was, around the house, seeing memories, right. and then Quan. Like what? right, right. But we were yeah, just was, that was yeah. very intense. That was really look at all these, you know, the the knowing looks between Cortana and Halsey, and all this right. nuance and all this tension, and then right. and then it would just break. Right. Uh, so yeah, definitely so, a lot of yeah, mentions so, of zero. Right. Fun. Yeah. So I mean, you know, and it's and it's not because uh, Quan's bad. It's because that Quan story just doesn't seem to be making a lot of sense right now. Um, that so like you know I think. I think that some of the um, the negative reviews and, and kind of the negative attention that the show received early on, it it rightfully deserved. It it earned that. It earned that criticisms. Um, but but the, yeah, these last two episodes, I, I think, because of the pacing, you know, one being able to show that we can effectively have a, a good, strong Halo-like battle, right? Um, is it was important, but then also being able to say, "Hey, look, this show is is not just about right, and Halo is not just about the battles and all the you know all the cool stuff you did in the games. It's also about this world building, and it's also about this lore and the political intrigue and all of all of this nuance." And we and and while you were complaining about all of that stuff that was happening in the beginning part, it was the setup what we've got here going into what I think you, you, uh, you're right to say, Ty is the third act of, of seven, eight, nine. 
All right. So now let's talk about some shitty reviews. They've got me excited for this third act. Yes. Uh, Cicero, let's hand it to you. We, like I said, we've got a double double barrel of uh, dumb episode reviews today. Cicero, if you want to take our uh, first dumb episode review, take it away. I can. I can. Um, I, I Yes, I don't agree with this person or this title. One out of ten, I don't like this episode. Um, this person says... As a Haloist, you know, that's a person, you know, as you as you are. As a Haloist, I think they made uh, 117TO much, TO2 much of a softy. Uh, the whole Halsey angle made worry for the future Halo series and of the episodes to come. I must say it's getting worse how they present Cortana and the Master Chief relationship. It's TO too much drama. It's T.O. too much away from the real lore we got from the Halo games and books. Halsey in episode six is so dumber than the real one in the lore. She is like smarter than the AI, you know. For me, episode seven must redeem six. If not, uh, three, four, three will have killed the game and the Halo series. Uh, Seven is a special number for Halo fans. And as for now, how I see the I had fun with the first episode. After that, it's going, it's not, it's going not my way fun wise. I am really open minded and accept a lot of, uh, accept a lot and don't mind creative stuff. But if I can't get into it while I love it, how can newcomers get into Halo? Thank you, Cicero. Uh, uh, I'm so I want to dig into that whole newcomers to Halo thing yeah. in probably a later episode of Forward and Aquan. Yeah. I hope we have something special uh, coming yeah. up there. But uh, yeah, thank you for that one. I love the I love the little hidden like no, I'm a true fan. I know that Seven is like a thing that Bungie, you know, right. originally <laughs> Bungie, and I guess they've maybe sort of continued Seven being a thing for Halo. I, I don't know, whatever. Um, Megan, we have you have a, a sh- uh, short and sweet uh, dub episode review. Why don't you uh, bring us our second one here? Also, a one out of ten. Oh. The manipulative blonde needs to die. <laughs> BS writing. The evil blonde doctor needs to be terminated. Why do writers keep making the same mistakes in TV shows? Letting these evil, tyrannical characters live beyond their expiration date. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that terminated. The doctor needs to be terminated. The T is capitalized. Like they like they literally want the terminator to show up and like and like take her out. I, I just love the idea that of all the things they're mad about, it's Dr. Halsey. Is that like the show continues to have a conflict? Like an antagonist? <laughs> like how have they just how have they just killed all the bad guys by now? <laughs> Why aren't they dancing? <laughs> Uh, um, awesome yeah it is yeah. it is uh well you, you know what guys keep watching that's that's what i'll say is uh i mean at least they're still watching the show um and they'll probably watch next week and well, have another uh, as long as episode seven redeems episode six it's a very special well, yeah. special, a special number, number yeah. yeah yes it is a special number um so yeah, maybe you know, maybe something, maybe something big will be happening. I feel like I need to point out how many, how many comments and reviews I saw about the helmet thing. Still, still, really, really? still, just right. put that helmet on and everything would be good. Someone <laughs> said uh, that there would be no, more nuance in the expressions of Pablo Schreiber if he had his helmet on. 
that like there'd be more <laughs> like emotional tension if he had his helmet. I'm like, I'm sorry, is he giving too much away in his? Speech? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not something I would have uh, pinned. Um, I, 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 so I do. I want to ask this question. This is a completely speculatory question of of both of you. Do you do you think Kai and Chief are going to um, remove the emotion chips of Vanek and 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 Rez? This is a big yeah, and we'll we'll kind of wrap up with this because uh, we were kind of going to do a, a potpourri section for our final thing. But I I have been wondering that question has been kind of percolating for me. Um, for a couple episodes now, whether Silver Team is going to stay together or whether it's going to split off and you're going to see Vanek and Riz kind of like continue taking orders from the UNSC command structure while Chief and Kai are off kind of going rogue in a way. And it is seeming more and more like that. The scene in this episode where Kai just like tosses a grenade to Riz for some reason while they're looking at a Spartan laser schematic, like felt a little bit like maybe the first instance for me of like fan service that kind of didn't really were like felt off and felt awkward mm-hmm. to me, but whatever. Uh, I think the point of the scene was that Kai just felt totally detached and alienated from these people now. Like she's kind of like, you started without me and they're just, you know, they're just humorless and they're just talking about grenades and cook down temps and stuff like that. And she's like, kind of turns her head to say something and they just sort of keep, keep rolling in the way that they do. So I I'm leaning toward like, it's still kind of looking like even money, but if I had to bet, yeah, it's, I think silver team is going to get split up. Well, and now that Halsey, I believe when she was having that conversation with Miranda, she was scanning her iris uh, right, in order right. to access UNSC, whatever, which means that she might start giving directions to half of Silver Team while Miranda's giving directions oh, to the other. Oh, that makes a ton of sense, right? Because Halsey at the end has this contact lens that right. she's she's filming her yeah. daughter when they're. That's yeah. my guess. Right. Speaking of that scene, do you believe that Halsey was telling Miranda the truth when she, you know, like, because because that that conversation that that Halsey has with Miranda at that moment is very reminiscent to the conversation that she has with John, you know, in the middle of the episode. But then, you know, there was an ulterior motive. Now, was it just, you know, was she just manipulating Miranda in that particular moment or or did she really you know was she really affected because she was crying you know like there was there was a lot of emotion coming out of this person while also saying hey I'm you know I'm kind of not built that way I think every uh you know public figure on the verge of getting canceled for something should be furiously taking notes as they watch this episode because (laughs) i mean it was the most incredible non-apology ever right right? like it was a mother telling her daughter the fact that you're my daughter doesn't really mean anything to me and i'm so Mm -hmm. sorry that you've been carrying around this anger towards me for your whole life. That's not an, right. That's not how apologies work. That's not accepting responsibility for your own behavior in any way. I'm sorry. You only got one mom and I'm it. And I'm it. Yeah. And I refuse to do anything about that. I do. You you don't get to abdicate your responsibility because you don't believe in family that, that you, you, or do you, 
Right. <laughs> I, th- I think you, you lose that ability to choose whether you believe in family or not once you have one. <laughs> or, or, or do you? Right? Like, yeah, but I, begs to differ. You know, I think the, so the easiest mama. way to manipulate someone. <laughs> I would say the easiest way to manipulate someone is with the truth. So I, I would right. say she is exactly telling the truth, and it was yeah. the best way to get that iris scan. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. But to me, Halsey didn't tell a lie at any point in this episode. I think everything yeah. that she said, but it's just, you know, it's, it's like a matter of priorities, right? It's like, we saw her run out and help pick up Miranda when like literally aliens were shooting at her. Right. Which like I said right. earlier, I think is a pretty like low bar for protective yeah. parenthood, but like she did clear that bar. Right. But like if she had had the choice between like, go do that and go get that artifact, then I think it becomes a totally different calculation. And I do think like, yeah, I think like, so in that way, I think her tears are real and genuine, but not from a sense of, you know, remorse, but just from a sense of like, yeah, this is a shame, you know, like it is, it would be better if I didn't have to make these horrible sacrifices to save humanity, but I do, and so I'm going to scan your iris now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And and you know what? Like, that level of complexity um, and, you know, and the fact, like, it gives me, again, a new level of respect for the writers because they plan that, right? Like, that is... That is something that they built into the story, and I really dig that, right? Like, dig, like, just how morally complex and 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 you know uh i guess sad for me um how i like know people in my life that are like this right like that that like these are real people yeah that exist you know that's always the tragedy um, when you watch TV shows and I try to tell myself, yeah, but this is fiction. I go, uh, yeah, it, it's fiction right here, right now with these very specific people. But when it comes to this, these tor- sorts of people existing in right. these sorts this of relationships, like yes, yeah. this does happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, Megan, at least you didn't have to stand there and like hologram spy on like finding out that you're both of your parents were complicit in this, <laughs> right? Like Miranda just appears and then Parangoski's like, shut up, Jacob, right? So he's, right. what can he do? He's not in charge. So he has to sit there and watch his wife or are they? Whatever. Whatever. I don't know. He's- as, as the mother it's of baby mama, yeah, right. <laughs> and admit that they like she admits the worst stuff right there, right. in in front right. of Miranda, and he has to watch his daughter absorb that knowledge. And I I loved when they just she just takes off the little thing and she puts it away and she just leaves and like Jacob Keys doesn't even try, like he's just like yeah, right. that's I, bridges burned. You can't unburn <laughs> a bridge. Like right. <laughs> <laughs> seems like he was really trying up until then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, well. Well, I mean, he definitely he it's definitely leaned, right. He definitely <laughs> leaned into the I'm the good parent, yes, um, portion exactly. of yeah. the of that of those conversations with with Miranda, and he did the same thing with John, right? Or at least he he never let he never led John to believe that his faith that John's faith in in Jacob Keys was misplaced. Oh yeah, no, completely. He was I think he was just as guilty of lying to Halsey oh, as yeah, a, yeah as even, any, even even more so I he think because he positioned himself because, as like this. Right, yeah, right, we fought right. together. We you trust right. me. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh right whereas whereas with Miranda, 
he really he he positioned himself as the good parent, right? As the one yeah, totally. that you could confide in, as the one you can, uh, you know, that right, the one the parent you can come to and talk crap who, about right. how you're upset about the other parent. Yeah, right. right. And then it's gonna go <laughs> and, rat you out uh, yeah. to the other one without <laughs> you ever knowing. Uh, Megan, the new parent, has a newfound yeah. perspective on, on these yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, that is that is yeah that is something as as when a my teen rebels and tries to steal my lab from me. I'll I'll know what to do. <laughs> Well, yeah, dude. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, let's let's wrap it up, guys. Tune into uh, our next episode when uh, you know Chief gets mad at mom and dad betraying him, and he absconds uh, to the ring with his new girlfriend, McKee. Um, thank you uh, so much uh, to both of you, Megan and Cicero, for joining me. Uh, love you guys, and always enjoy talking about Halo with you both. Um, and thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in to Forward Under Quan. We really appreciate it. Uh, next week, the countdown begins. Uh, it'll be our third to last episode, Act 3 of uh, Halo, the series. And that means we will be back, too, with another episode of Forward Under Quan. Until then, keep that Mjolnir armor oiled. Send me your uh, you know, suggestions for a better episode wrap-up line, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>